0: we're going to be thinking about how to make a decision. Now, I read a few days ago a a, a very recent study that says the average American adult, now I question this, but it's nonetheless what the research says, the average American adult makes 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000. You've already made several decisions this morning. What time did you get up? What did you have for breakfast? What did you wear? You made a decision to come to church. Where are you going to go have lunch afterwards? So in the course of a day, we make lots of decisions. Some of the decisions, whether I wear a blue shirt or a white shirt, that really doesn't matter. Not a major decision, but some of the decisions that we make are extremely important decisions. And when we make these decisions, there are consequences. Every decision that you make as a consequence. And the bigger decisions not only affect your life, but they affect everyone in your inner circle, your family and your closest friends. And so today, we're going to be thinking about how to make decisions. Now, all of us have lived long enough to know that decisions are not an easy thing to make. I think for some people, making decisions is is an easy thing. For other people, making decisions is something that probably we struggle with a little more. Let me ask you today, how many of you would say that you find it easy to make a decision? Just raise your hand. All right, there, sir. How many would say you find it difficult to make a decision? Raise your hand. All right, how many of you say you can't decide whether it was easy or, <laughs> or difficult to make a decision? Well, it's not always easy for me making decisions is not always an easy thing it's it's some of it's a it's I guess it's maybe the way I'm wired and it's just a little more difficult for me to make a decision sometimes we make good decisions sometimes we make bad decisions hopefully we learn from our decisions I heard about a young man who had graduated from college he wanted to go into the banking business And so he did, he had a good job at a good bank working for a great bank president who was very successful, very respected in the community. And one day the young man went into the president's office and said, sir, could I ask you a question? Certainly you can. He said, what is the secret to being so successful in the banking business? And the man said, making good decisions. And the young man said, well, how do you learn to make good decisions? He said, through experience. And he said, well, sir, how do you gain that experience? He said, by making bad decisions. (laughs) And I think there's some truth to that. We learn many times in life by making bad decisions. We learn from our own mistakes. Sometimes we learn from the mistakes of others. We sit back and we watch another person make a decision. And and to us, it's clear, this this is a train wreck. This is a bad decision. This is not gonna have a good ending. And so we can hopefully learn from their decisions. But the wisest thing we can do is to learn from the word of God how to make a good decision and how to make the best even if we make a bad decision. So that said, if you'll open your Bibles this morning to the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be thinking Proverbs has a lot to say about decision making and how to make a decision. Some of you today are in the process of trying to make a decision, maybe in your business, maybe in a real estate decision or a car decision or relationship decision. You're trying to make a decision. What should I do in this particular area of my life? Well, Proverbs is loaded with information about decisions. Now, before we get into the verses... As I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking about decisions, I had, this is a little bit corny and cheesy. I know it is, but I believe it'll be helpful. I had this little image come to my mind of a sandwich. Now, all of us are familiar with a sandwich. Whatever your favorite sandwich is, you're familiar with. Maybe the most popular sandwich is a BLT. I think everybody likes that. I was talking to a friend the other night. I called him and I said, hey man, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm making dinner for me and my wife. I said, man, that, you're a good husband. I said, what are you making? He said, I'm making a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. He said, I'm cooking that. I said, that can barely be called cooking. I mean, the only thing you're cooking is the bacon. But uh, he made that, and they had a good sandwich. But today, I want us to think of a different type of sandwich. Now, we know what a sandwich looks like, right? It has the, the top part, and it has the middle part where all the stuff is, and then it has the bottom part. So there, there is a sandwich. So I want you to think this morning of the three parts of the sandwich, the top, the middle and the bottom. Now, what is the top? When we're talking about making a decision and, and, and doing the right thing in God's eyes, no matter what area of life, we want to make good decisions, the top part is to do this, is to turn to God. At the beginning of any decision, the first thing we should do is to turn to God and say, God, what would you have me to do? We're turning to God there for wisdom. The second part here, the big part of that, is what I'm going to call do your homework. In other words, and we're going to develop that in just a minute. And then the bottom part is turn back. To God. So we want to start, we want to, this, this whole decision-making process needs to have at the top and the bottom, at the beginning and the end, we're turning to God, and in between, we're doing our homework. Now, if you take the first letter off of each of those little phrases, you have T-D-T. Say that with me. T-D-T. Say it again. Not Not a B-L-T, but a T-D-T. It's a TDT sandwich. It is a decision sandwich. You're trying to make a decision. God, should I buy this or not? Should I do this or not? Should I go there or not? God, what should I do? What is your will? Should I retire or not? Should I, should I move to a different house or not? God, what, what would you have me to do? Well, here's, I don't know the answer, but I know the process. It is TDT. Turn to God, do your homework, and then turn back to God. Now, I know that's a little bit trite and, and I can't say cheesy because cheese is in the sandwich, a, a little bit hokey or, or whatever it might be. But hopefully from now on, every time you eat a sandwich, you're going to think about this and this is going to mean something to you. So let's just kind of work ourselves through that. We want to begin the decision-making process by turning to God and asking him what he wants us to do. Now, in Proverbs, go to chapter number two, because we have some good words here about about turning to God. And let's just begin reading in verse number one. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes. Now watch this. If you cry out for discernment, and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, verse six is one of my favorite verses in the entire book of Proverbs. It says this, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so wisdom comes from God. God, think about this. When you're trying to make a decision, the only person who can see the totality of all the ramifications about that decision, not only for now, but into the future, the only person who can see all of that is God. And so the scripture simply says here, for the Lord gives wisdom. And so we want to begin by seeking God. Now, go to chapter 8 and look at verse 17. This is certainly one of the most well-known verses in Proverbs. Now, in chapter 8, wisdom is speaking. It's, it, it is the personification of wisdom. Wisdom has been, in the writer's mind, uh, turned into a person. And this person named Wisdom is speaking. And notice what she says in verse 17. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently will find me. And so there's a promise here that if we will seek wisdom diligently, not just one little prayer, God show me what to do. But if diligently we seek that wisdom, that we'll find it and that God will tell us what to do and that God will show us the way that we should go. The verse in the New Testament that corresponds to what we're looking at here in Proverbs is in James chapter 1 and verse 5. James in the New Testament is basically the Prover- James, The book of James is like the Proverbs of the New Testament. It tells us how to live. And here it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, what do we do? We don't know what to do. God, I have to make a decision. Which way should I go? What should we- here it is. Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given, given to him. So, you're trying to decide what to do. You don't know what to do. What do you want to do? You want to begin by turning to God and saying, God, give me wisdom. Interestingly, the Bible is filled with examples of people who did that. They asked God what to do. God showed them what to do. They went down that road. God blessed it. But there are also examples in the Bible of people who were forced to make a decision. And instead of beginning with the top part of that sandwich, by turning to God, they looked at the situation like we often do, and they use their brain, and they say, well, you know, God gave me a brain, God gave me a good mind, and and, uh, maybe they asked two or three people their opinion, and and they just use their old common sense, and they make their decision, and yet they never sought God. You say, John, are people in the Bible like that? Yes, there are, and in fact, some of what we would call the first stringers, the main characters in the Bible are guilty of that. We read a story in Joshua chapter 9 about Joshua. Now, by this time, Moses has died. Joshua's the leader, and Joshua's leading the Israelites there into the promised land, and they came across a group of people who played like they lived a long way off. This group of people had seen how the Israelites had conquered Jericho and Ai, and they were just taking up what we know is the land of Israel. And, And these people actually lived close by. And so they said to themselves, we need to make a covenant. We need to make a treaty with these Israelites that they won't destroy us that we could be partners. But they said, we know they will never agree to make that covenant with us because their God has told them to capture and to take over this entire land. And so what we need to do is we need to play like that we're from a long way off, that we're no threat to them, that we don't live in this region. And so they dressed up with old clothes and old shoes and they had their water jugs and they made them look old. They got some old bread that was moldy and the whole thing just looked like these people were from a long way off. And if the Israelites made a covenant with them, that that would not in any way prevent the Israelites from still possessing all of the promised land. And so these people went to Joshua and they went to the other Israelite leaders. They said, hey, we're from a long way off. And that we don't live in this area at all, but we would like to partner up with y'all. We can help you and, and you can help us and, and we'll be no threat to you. Notice what it says in Joshua chapter nine and verse 14. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions. That is, some of the, they saw some of the moldy bread and they saw the old beat up water jugs. They thought, man, these people have come a long way. They took some of their provisions, but watch this. But they did not ask counsel of the Lord. They had to make a decision. They looked at it. They thought about it. They said, well, they're no threat to us. God told us to wipe out all the other inhabitants of the land, but these people don't even live here. They live a long way off. It'd be good for us to make a covenant with them, and they made a covenant, but when they made the covenant, they made a mistake, and worse than that, they committed a sin, but the reason they committed this sin is because they did not ask counsel of the Lord. And so what I'm saying to you today is this, if Joshua, I mean, nobody loved God more than Joshua. He had been up under Moses' leadership for 40 years. If Joshua leading the people into the promised land could be guilty of not seeking counsel of the Lord, so could you and so could I. And so we have to be careful. So the first part of our sandwich, the first part of the decision-making process is turn to God. Say that with me. Turn to God. Turn the person next to you and say, turn to God. Some of you need to say, wake up (laughs) and then turn to God, right? No, seriously. We want to just turn to God. Now, what is the second part of that sandwich? Well, remember it starts with a D. It's a T-D-T. T-D-T. It's hard to say that sandwich. The D stands for do your homework. You see, God does expect us to turn to him and ask for wisdom. That's the right thing to do. God's the only person who sees the totality. Had Joshua had turned to God, God would have said, don't make this covenant. These people are deceiving you. They live, These are the Gibeonites. They live very close by. Don't do it, but he skipped that part. So God expects us to turn to him. But not only that, God does not just expect us to pray. That's part of our responsibility. But God expects us to do our homework so that we can make the best decision possible. Now, under this idea of doing your homework, I wanna mention three things. If this were a normal sermon, these would be like three subpoints under do your homework. And the first thing is simply this, gather the facts. I've heard it said, I've always heard my dad say, most of the time when you're trying to make a decision, if you will gather the facts, the decision will make itself. It'll be obvious what you should do if you'll go through the process of gathering the facts. Now look at this verse in Proverbs chapter three. This is in the NIV now. Blessed are those who find wisdom and those who gain understanding. Now notice this, we find wisdom. It's out there somewhere, we gotta go find it. And those who gain understanding, we have to go. In other words, the idea here is you have to pursue this you have to gather the facts. You have to educate yourself and learn what you should do. And then the second thing we need to do in this doing our homework, not only do we seek to gather the facts and do research and learn, but we need to talk to others. Proverbs is, has, and we're going to look at some of them here, has lots of verses about the importance of getting counsel from others who know more than we do. Now, look in Proverbs chapter 11. I want us to look at several of these verses. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14, these are great verses to underline in your Bible if you don't already have them underlined. Proverbs eleven fourteen: 14, where there's no counsel, the people fall. But now watch this next phrase. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And so when you're trying to make a decision and you're in this, you've already prayed, and you're beginning to gather the facts but part of gathering the facts is talking to others and getting their insights remember this if if everybody you go to tells you that the decision you want to make is an unwise decision most likely it is not that would not be across the board that you could say that But most of the time, I have a friend, I went to college with with her and with her husband, and she always used to say this, and she still does. She said, you know, when you're trying to make a decision, everybody can't be wrong. I mean, everybody can't be wrong. If everybody you ask says no, 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 well, the odds are everybody can't be wrong. Again, I'm not saying there wouldn't be an isolated instance where you have to go against the flow, but here in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now go to chapter 15, verse 22. A very, very similar verse, fifteen twenty-two. The Bible says this, without counsel, plans go awry. So you made your decision, but you didn't seek any counsel. You just thought you knew what to do. Well, the Bible says those plans are gonna go awry. It's not gonna work out. But in the multitude of counselors, they're established. Saying the same thing again. Now go to chapter 20 and verse 18. Let me let you find chapter 20. It's saying the same thing in a different way, but I want you to mark these verses. And in verse number 18, plans are established by counsel, by wise counsel, wage war. In other words, if you were the president of the United States, you would be foolish to go to war with another country if you didn't seek counsel from all the advisors within your administration. That, that would be a, a foolish thing to do. By wise counsel, wage your war. And then one other verse, go to chapter 24. And in verse number six, it's interesting to me how many of these verses are so similar. And this, this one is, uh, is very similar to the others. In chapter 24 and verse 6, for by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And so just enough verses there to make the point that part of the decision-making process, we've got this decision sandwich. We turn to God. Now we're doing our homework and we're thinking here about the importance of talking to others, especially those who are more experienced in that area, more knowledgeable than we are. We're trying to gain wisdom from them. Now, it's interesting. I came across a passage uh, over the weekend in 1 Kings chapter 12. We're gonna look at the verse in just a second. But in this particular passage, Solomon has died. You remember you have Saul was the first king of Israel and and then David and then David's son Solomon And in chapter 12, now Solomon has died, and his son, Rehoboam, is becoming the king of of the nation. And so he's trying to figure out what kind of leader he's gonna be. Now remember, his dad has built this magnificent temple in Jerusalem. I mean, mean, it was just absolutely amazing. I mean, Solomon reigned during the golden age of Israel. Re- Rehoboam's grandfather was David. I mean, he was a man after God's own heart. He wrote many of the Psalms. And so here comes Rehoboam. He's thinking, man, my granddad's David. My father built this temple, Solomon. Who, what kind of leader am I going to be? I need to kind of carve out my own identity. And so he went to the elders of Israel, some of the older men. And he said, listen, tell, give me some advice. What kind of leader do you think I should be? And here's what they said to him. They said, "Rehoboam." If you will be kind to the people, if you will serve the people, if you will answer the people, if you will help the people, make yourself available to the people, the people will respect you. They will love you. They will help you. They will follow you. They will allow you to be the leader. And so we're advising you to let your administration the hallmark of your administration should be service and kindness and a listening ear to the people. Well, you would just think Rehoboam would have said, well, the elders have spoken. That's what I need to do. Take their advice. Look at this. First uh, Kings chapter 12 and verse eight, notice what it says of Rehoboam, but he rejected the advice which the elders had given him. He didn't want to take their advice. What did he do? And consulted the young men who had grown up with him who stood before him. In other words, after those elders told him what to do, he didn't like that. He thought, if I'm a a servant and if I'm kind and I'm trying to help people like that, people are going to think I'm weak and they need to know I'm strong. And so he went to his buddies who he had grown up with and gone to school with. And he said, Hey, the elders said I should do this. What do you guys think I should do? They said salt. They said Rehoboam. Here's what you need to do. You need to say to everybody, if you guys think my father was a tough leader, I want you to know that my little finger is stronger and bigger than his waist. And I, you think he was tough? You haven't seen anything yet. And they were basically saying to him, assert yourself, Rehoboam. You show them who's boss. You show them who's the leader. And Rehoboam went with the advice of his, of his buddies instead of the advice of the elders, and it cost him greatly in his administration. One aside I would make here. When we're seeking advice, now th- again, this is not absolute. This, there would be exceptions to this, but as a general rule, you are wise to seek the advice of people who are older than you and who are more experienced than you, as opposed to somebody. In other words, if you're 20 years old and you're trying to make a decision and all you do is ask your 20-year-old friends, nothing wrong with being 20 years old. I wish I was 20 years old. But if all you do is ask your 20-year-old friends, you're just getting the perspective of them and they don't have any more perspective than you. They haven't lived any longer than you have. I heard Adrian Rogers say this one time, one of the best pieces of advice I ever heard. He said, remember this. An old person has been young, but a young person has never been old. And in a day in which youth you know, when I was coming up and I was a teenager and I was in my 20s, I was taught and I tried to respect my elders. There's a generation coming up now that only, not only does not respect their elders, they don't even care about, they don't even, they don't even maybe have any elders. The whole thing now is youth, 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 young, 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 youth. And I'm just saying when we're seeking advice, if all we do is seek the advice of people who only have our perspective, we shouldn't even seek their advice. We already know what they know. But if we'll go to somebody, and if they're not older, in years, at least they're more experienced. They've been down this road, and they know more than we do about the situation. So we want to take the time to talk to others and learn what they think. And then the next thing I would say is we're doing our homework. Take your time. As a general rule, hasty decisions are bad, and slow methodical deliberate decisions are good look at this phrase, this part of a verse one of my favorites in isaiah chapter 28 verse 16 look at this verse whoever believes will not act hastily say that with me whoever believes will not act hastily what's that mean whoever believes in other words whoever believes whoever is trusting in god and, and believing that god is going to give wisdom that God is gonna make the decision clear. God, I don't know what to do, but I'm seeking you, and I'm seeking counsel, I'm doing my homework, and I'm taking my time, and God, I believe that you're gonna somehow make it clear to me what I should do, and so as a result of that, I'm not gonna act hastily. Remember this, friend, we should always be one step behind God, never one step ahead of God. You never wanna get into a relationship with God where you say, God, follow me. This way, God, this way. And God, as I'm making all these decisions, bless me. No, you want to be behind God. Now, you don't want to be too far behind, but you want to be behind God and you want to say, God, show me what to do. You lead me and I'm going to follow because if I'll follow you, I know that is the way of blessing. And so, whoever believes will not act hastily. I do realize some decisions have to be made quicker than others. We don't always have six months to make a decision. I understand that. But the principle remains whoever believes will not act hastily. And so, if you're you're making it, you're forced to make a decision or it's, and you're feeling rushed by that, I would encourage you to back off and to buy yourself some time and not make a decision that hastily. Now, you still listen, say amen. Amen. Everything I have said up until this point in my life, I'm not gonna say I've done this on every single decision, but on every major decision that I have ever made in my life, Certainly in my adult life, I have gone through that process. I can't think of any major life decision that I made without turning to God and without doing my homework. I can't think of any decision I made without doing that. But recently, I learned something that I had never even, maybe I've done it some and maybe I've never, but I never even thought about it. If I did it, I just did it without thinking about it. But remember, this sandwich has three parts. We're going, do you remember the first part? What was it? Turn to God. The second part? The third part. Now, this was what was new to me. I've never thought about this. And God, I, God taught me this very recently. The third part, what? Turn back to God. You see, when we turn to God the first time, we're turning to God for wisdom. God showed me what to do, who to talk to, how to gather the facts. God show me what to do. We go through the doing the homework process, but when we turn back to God, what are we doing? We're turning back to God, not just for wisdom, but we're turning back to God for peace. And we're saying to God, in essence, now, God, I started with you. I've asked for wisdom. I've gone through this process of doing the homework and trying to know what decision I should make. But this, I'm telling you, this is a new, revel- very new revelation to me from the Lord. It is so important to go back to God and say, God, I've gotten my research, I've done my research, I've gathered the facts, here's what everybody has said. This is what I think I should do. I think all the errors are pointing in this direction, God. But here's what I'm asking. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get quiet before you, and I'm gonna wait and see what you say. Now, you say, what do you mean? Is God going to tell you what to do? Yes, he is. How's he going to tell you? However he wants to. He may may audibly speak to you and say, do this, don't do that. More than likely, he won't do it audibly, but he could. He may speak to your heart and lead you in that that way. More than likely, the way God's going to lead you and the way you're going to know what to do, if it's God's will, as you turn back to God and sit before him, he will give you peace if it's what he wants you to do. And in the absence of peace, you should not proceed forward. But the point is, we turn back to God. Now, I wanna show you a couple of verses. In 2 Samuel, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, 2 Samuel seven eighteen. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. Notice it doesn't say King David went in and prayed. King David went in and talked before the Lord. No, the, the image we have here, King David went in and he sat before the Lord in silence. He didn't say anything, or he said very little. And as he sat before the Lord, he was there, why? To meditate, to think, and to listen with his heart to see if he would have peace. Now, remember what I said. If that decision you're thinking about making is of God, if it is God's will, when you put the bottom part of this sandwich together and you go back and you turn back to God, if it's of God, He's going to give you peace. Colossians 3.15, a great verse in the New Testament. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body and be thankful. But the first part of that verse is the key. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And we've talked about that verse before. That word rule literally means to be the umpire. What does the umpire do in a baseball game? This is baseball season, Astros having a great season. What does the umpire do? The, the umpire makes the final decision. In other words, here's a pitcher, and he's throwing the ball, and it's coming in, and as soon as that pitcher lets it go, he's thinking, man, that's a strike. That's right down the middle. That batter's at home plate, and he's looking at that pitcher. I mean, that's low and outside. I'm not gonna swing. The catcher catches the ball. The, bat, the pitcher's saying, I know it's a strike. The batter's thinking, that's low outside. That's a ball. If it were left to the two of them, they never could decide. it. A, a baseball game would take even longer than it does now, and it takes a long time now. So what did Major League Baseball do? They employed an umpire. <laughs> they said to the Mr. Umpire, look, this pitch has come in. The pitcher thinks it's a strike. The batter thinks it's a ball. They're not in agreement. So we need you as the umpire to make the final call, and whatever you say it is is what it is. The empire says, that's a strike. He says, it's a strike. Better than like it, but it's still a strike. Whatever then, he makes the final call. Now, what is Paul saying in Colossians 3? He said, in life, you've got to make lots of decisions, 35,000 a day. Most of those are not big decisions, but some of those decisions have consequences. They're, they're more major decisions. And so what do you need? You need, after you have gathered the facts, after you have talked to others, After you have used the mind that God gave you, you've gone through the process. You've even asked God for wisdom. But what you need to do is turn back to God, join David in sitting before the Lord. Don't get in a hurry because he who believes will not act hastily. And as you're sitting and waiting before the Lord, here's what you're waiting to discern. Do I have peace or do I feel uneasy about it? That's how God's going to give you the last word. And it is God's peace or the lack thereof that should lead you to make the decision. Now, I mentioned that I learned this very recently, and I have. I was trying to make a decision about something. It was not what you would call a major life decision, but there was some money involved in that decision, not, not tons of money, certainly. It was some, the, the amount of money I spent on this was somewhere between what you would spend on a hamburger and a new car, okay? I'm just going to tell you that, somewhere in that range. And it was closer to the hamburger range. But you could have bought a lot of hamburgers. I'll just say that for, for this amount. It was, it was probably about 20% of a new car. And so I'm, I'm, I'm making a decision. And so the first thing I did was I said, now, God, I mean, I just instinctively know to do that. I said, God, what do you want me to do? I know you, know, God, show me what to do. Well, so I, I did that. I turned to God. And then I began to do my homework I began to research it a little bit. I began to talk to others who knew more than I did. I did my research. I took not all the time in the world. I took as much time as I could possibly take pretty much in that situation. And after I had done my research and I was just using my own mind, I thought, well, you know, all the arrows are pointing in this direction. And so I made the decision. But I made the decision without turning back to God to see if he was going to give me peace or a restless spirit. You say, John, how did the decision work out? Well, I think the decision is gonna probably work out fine. I don't, it's, again, it's not a major decision. It's not gonna affect my life really one way or the other. But I'll tell you the greatest thing for me about that experience was that I learned something about making a decision that I didn't already know. I learned that God's peace not my own gut feeling, not what somebody else says, not what I've read or learned. God's peace must get the last word. And you say, John, had you gone back to God and sat before the Lord for 30 minutes or an hour or a day or two, and had you waited to have gotten that peace, do you think you would have gotten it? And you know the answer to that question? I'll never know. I don't have any idea because the decision was already made. But I'm telling you, through that experience, and that's why I'm preaching this sermon today, I learned one of the greatest lessons that I've ever learned in all my life. After we've turned to God, God, show me what to do. After we've done our homework, we need to turn back to the Lord, and we need to say, God, I've done what I've done. I've done what you've taught me in Scripture to do. But I want to do all of what you've taught me in Scripture to do. I'm coming back with David, and I'm sitting before you for a day or two or an hour or two or however much time you can, and God, I'm going to just wait, and I'm going to see if I have peace or if I don't have peace. And if I have peace to do what I think everybody's telling me to do and what I think ought to do, then I'm going to go with that, but I'm going with that because you've confirmed it with peace. But God, for the sake of the argument, if I get restless and don't have peace about this, even though all the arrows are pointing in this direction, if I don't have peace, I'm not following the arrows. I'm following the peace. And I'm not going to do anything that I don't feel peaceful about. And so, as I've said before, one of the things I love about Proverbs, it is the most practical book in the Bible. And I encourage you, you know, as you go from here today and maybe get home with your husband or wife or your kids or your whoever and you're thinking and talking about a decision, remember this decision sandwich. Turn to God. God, give me wisdom. Do your homework. And then turn back to God and see whether or not he gives you that peace. And then follow the peace wherever it leads. Amen? Father, help us to make not just good decisions, because the decision I just made, I think was probably a good decision But I just don't know. I'm not convinced, and I'll never really know if it was your will. But God, help us not just to make good decisions. Help us to make spirit-led decisions. And help us to put that decision sandwich together, knowing that if any of those pieces are not on the sandwich then that sandwich is not ready to be eaten and that decision is not ready to be made. Now, with your head bowed and eyes closed, some of you today are thinking, man, I'm glad I came to church. I needed some help on making a decision. And Proverbs has told me how to do it. Would you ask God for wisdom? Would you ask God to show you how to do your homework? Who to talk to? What to read? And would you ask God to confirm His will not just a good decision, but a spirit-led decision to confirm that with the presence of peace, or if it's not his will, to just make you a little bit restless, a little bit uneasy, a little bit nervous, and you follow the peace or you follow the lack of peace. You just let God lead you in the appropriate way. Now, some are here today, and and, and you have a decision to make. I, I wanted to spend more time in my sermon. It seemed like I get up here and start talking, and the time just goes by. But I wanted to say in my sermon today that sometimes in life we make good decisions. Sometimes we make bad decisions. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. But, friend, there's one decision that we can't afford to mess up on, and that is the decision of our soul. What will we do with Jesus Christ Every Sunday we give this invitation and many at this point say, well, I've already made that decision and you have. And others every week, I think last week in the second service, there were 12 who were saved. They make a decision to get saved. Others, they make a decision not to get saved. And others make a decision to make the decision later, to postpone it and to delay it. And when they make that decision, what they're really saying is no for now, maybe later, But no for now. And I'm telling you, friend, you are literally playing with fire when you do that. There's one decision that needs to be made immediately. It needs to be made now, 2 Corinthians 6. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. If you're not sure that you're saved today, don't leave this room like that. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, the greatest decision that I could ever make is a decision to be saved. And so I ask you now to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. And I trust you to do it.